Show me the money. The Aging Workforce Forum Editions. The world of work is changing, but what are the social and economic impacts? I'm Bev Cassidy McKenzie, I'm the Chief Executive of Diversity Works New Zealand. Um, so we were formerly the Equal Employment Opportunities Trust. Um, I guess we're the practical end of, uh, of working with businesses um, and organisations and I'm going to talk a little bit about some research that we did uh, around ageing workers. Um, why did we do it? Um, we did it because all the organisations that we talked to um, used anecdotal data um, and primarily referred to a lot of international research. So they told us in the UK, um, the way that they're dealing with ageing workers is this, and in the US, the way that they're dealing with uh, ageing workers is this. That worried us a little bit about three years ago. Um, so leading up to this, we uh, set about working with some New Zealand businesses um, and organisations and set about actually uh, working on our own research here. So um, let's launch straight into this. Right. Okay, so first of all, um, for very obvious reasons, we believe it makes good business sense to engage a range of ages in work. Um, so yes, this is about ageing workers today, um, but we're about ageing workers, um, uh, all ages. Um, I know it's been talked about, I'm going to cover off some of the same stuff again, but the most important thing is there is a predicted skill shortage. Not predicted, there is going to be a skill shortage. End of story. So if you're not doing something about it in your organisation now, you're in trouble. If you haven't already put something in place, there's just nothing, nothing, you need to do something. Okay, so if you haven't, start talking to someone now, another organisation, come talk to us, come talk to Diane and her team, you need to be doing something, there is going to be a skill shortage. There's just nothing you can do about it. Several reasons, um, everybody's right, we're not having enough kids, simple as that. In our day and age, I'm in my mid-40s, um, all my friends, and probably yours too, having four or five kids, it's as simple as that, look around. You've got four or five siblings, everyone else had four or five siblings. It's just the way it was. Now it is only children in schools. Ask your kids, how many friends have their kids got? One, maybe two, that's all they're having. It's as simple as that, there aren't enough kids. So because of fertility rates, there's not enough kids coming through. Yes, we're relying on immigration. Yes, we're relying on other things. We need those young people. We need the migrants coming into our country. It's as simple as that. So we need to move on. So while, currently, um, while New Zealand currently has one in five workers over 55, our government um, figures are predicting by 2020 it's going to be one in four. 2020, that's only four years away. Let's be realistic. By uh, 2030, it's going to be one in three. So we need to do something about it. So obviously, rapid change going on. We need to do something about it. So we set off on a couple of surveys. One, we do a New Zealand diversity survey every six months. That's about a 1,000 organisations that we go out to nationwide. We talk to those organisations about what's happening with diversity. So I'm just going to stop a minute and talk about diversity and inclusion. We can talk about age here today. Um, and deal with age in an organisation, or we can talk about inclusion. How are you including older people in your workplace? So, and that's really what the crux of what we're trying to deal with here. How are you making an inclusive workplace so older people are both welcome in it, either to stay in that workplace, so retain them, or recruit them back into that workplace? So inclusion is really my message here today please look at how inclusive your workplace is.
Okay, so we then set off New Zealand Diversity Survey every six months. We go out, we look at everything from disability to age, young people transitioning into the workforce, ageing workers. How are you retaining them and bringing older workers in? LGBTQI, we look at religion, we look at wellness, we look at work-life balance, we look at flexibility. We look at the whole gamut of diversity and inclusion. Then what we did was once we had a look at that, businesses said to us, that ageing workers were ranked in the top three and they wanted us to look at doing more about it. So we did. We did a deep dive piece of research last year called Engaging Older Workers Productively Survey. And from that we got about 300 organisations and we did a deep dive piece of research on that. At the end of that research we then took a sample of that and um, those sample participating organisations, we actually spoke to their older workers and looked at their perceptions and experiences of being an older worker in New Zealand. So, as you can see, a bit of a comprehensive look at what, what's happening with ageing workers in New Zealand. So, in the diversity survey, we actually looked at what sort of systems and practices organisations were using to manage older workers' retention, productivity, wellbeing and health. And then we also looked at how organisational attitudes were impacting on the effective management of older workers. Um, I think a couple of one other thing that I do just want to touch on here is loyalty. Loyalty of older workers, the average length of service within the organisations that we service, uh, surveyed was 10.7 years for those older workers and the average length of service for those, uh, those older workers was seven years in their current job role. So you can see loyalty, really important for older workers. So you can see clearly well worth having them in your organisations. Um, the distribution of respondents, mainly larger organisations. That's where our larger, that's where our uh, older workers were sitting. So we surveyed about 300 organisations. Primarily, they sat in the 200 plus employees organisations. So larger organisations seem to be retaining their older workers longer. Um, there were some sitting up in the 100 to 200, but primarily they were sitting up in the uh, 200 plus. I know uh, some of the facts and myths have been touched on by Blair, um, but uh, he's absolutely right. Lots of, lots of maths out there around uh, some of the perceptions of older workers. Um, hey, look, uh, so when I talk to people, why aren't you employing older workers? Um, it's real simple, Bev. Um, there's advertised positions out there. They just don't apply for them. Um, and that's why they're not participating in the workforce. Um, that uh, older workers have poor technology skills, they're less flexible, um, they're not adaptable to new ways of working, um, they're without physical energy and uh, they're certainly not, uh, they don't have the capacity for management roles and they're certainly not as committed to organisations. Well, that's absolutely not what our research found, um, quite the opposite in fact. Um, we found that age is a poor predictor of technological ability. We found anyone who's worked in an office environment over the past 20 years is computer literate. We found 28 million Facebook users are over the age of 50. And almost 10% of all smartphone users are over the age of 55. How many people here are using one? Older workers are not unwilling to learn or change, but that training needs to be in a format that suits them. How many people change their training for young people, for migrants, for other groups. Older did not mean poor health or mental decline, quite the opposite actually. 
were a healthier society than ever before in New Zealand. There seemed to be uh, a resounding agreement about the benefits of older workers and I've just put up here a few of the key things some from life skills to life experience, levels of exp expertise, reliability, transfer of skills, mentoring, you've heard some of them today, commitment, stability for a business. So back to the survey, um, we were surprised um, at one of the most important things uh, which was that half uh, of the organisations that we surveyed, only half of them had a strategy in place for working with their ageing workers um, and, only a th and nearly a third of them respectively were unlikely to have one uh, in the next two years. So while they valued their older workers, they certainly weren't going to have a strategy to work with them. Uh, so we found that quite an interesting perspective. Um, what we did do, as I mentioned, we went to a sample of some of the older workers uh, and asked them, uh, what, what are your perceptions? What is it you, you value? Um, so they said they would value flexible working arrangements, which we've heard today. Um, they actually wanted some input into job design and some job design that would actually take into account their needs um, rather than the organisation's needs. You're right, they don't want to work 40 hours a week. They're quite happy to work shorter hours, but shorter hours that actually suited them than the organisation. Um, training and professional development. Uh, they were often overlooked as requiring any further investment. Listen, you're in your 50s or 60s, there's no, really no requirement for any more professional development for you. You're done now, uh, we're going to invest in the younger ones coming through. Not true, absolutely not true. Uh, creating mentoring opportunities, look, they were more than happy to give back, ensure that institutional knowledge was retained by the organisation. Uh, communication, they asked for clear, concise and regular communication that was accessible. Internet and intranet were not accessible. Um, may, seem like, may not seem like rocket science, but look, the newsletter up on the uh, news board uh, just seemed, for some reason, uh, unheard of for some organisations. They had just stopped putting a newsletter up on the board. Um, but that was accessible for them, uh, or even emailed to home addresses. Uh, education around the value of older workers. I know we've talked about it, but you'll be surprised at how many organisations don't educate others. Um, they know how valuable they are. They didn't need the education and how valuable they are as older workers. It's the others in the organisation. Education about future options. Um, so whether that included reduced hours, flexibility, graduated retirement or even increased hours. Um, health and wellness programs for older workers. So with more people living older, uh, longer, and that's worldwide, not just New Zealand, Thanks to smoking cessation programs, walking programs, healthy eating, better standards of living, understanding whether a flu vaccination or a gym subsidy or a transport allowance as part of your organisation's wellness program can make all the difference to an employment decision for an older worker. Recognition of needs and beliefs. Just like sight impairment with disability, LGBTQI with sexual orientation and acknowledgement of religious beliefs in an organisation, Older workers had different needs, like the physical needs or preferences for lifts, rather than stairs to support hip and knee replacements, or the preference for personal interaction with others if you were going to roster them onto a, a shift that meant they were going to spend a lot of their time on their own. They weren't interested. They were actually there for personal interaction, whether it's lunchtime or not. And lastly, they told us that training for managers on how to manage older workers would be beneficial. 
because the dichotomy of a younger person managing an older person with years of experience would always remain and understanding that the older worker is not a threat to the younger worker or the younger manager in particular um, and, is, and is in fact uh, an advocate for that younger, younger manager or in particular mid-level managers was hugely, hugely essential for the uh, talent pipeline in most organisations. So we drew some conclusions, um, which I like to think are more solutions than conclusions. Valuing older workers, implementing a diversity policy that promotes the respect of older workers, avoiding age-based discriminatory attitudes, uh, developing a strategy for retention, um, developing flexible work arrangements for older workers, um, you'll see some of them up there, I don't need to read them out. Consider graduated retirement options. I'm not a fan of the word retirement, which is what I'm going to talk about now. <laughs> One of the other learnings we found was that having courageous or crucial conversations with staff and not waiting till their 50s and 60s was an absolute essential. So actually, staff in their 20s and 30s wanted to have a conversation about retirement or particularly savings and what financial security might mean to them. Our research did show us that less than half believed that they could realistically retire at 65 if that was the set age and that scared them. So we believe that all these results highlighted uh, benefit, uh, highlight the benefits of employing aged workers on the individual to the level of their engagement at work, their well-being and their quality of working life on an organisation, on their workforce retention and the obvious areas of productivity and most importantly performance, on society with positive ageing and on our economy because as we all know economic outcomes of maintaining a productive workforce are going to benefit, benefit us all. So I guess from a country where we all respect our elders um, and as part of an indigenous culture where it is the baseline for everything that we do and a lot of the decisions that we make and are part of our cultural fabric, um, I encourage you all to look at how we, how we deal and how we work with our older workforce, whether we call them our ageing workers, our older workers, our seniors, or our wisdom workers, as we like to call them at, the, at Diversity Works New Zealand, um, please uh, look at a way to embrace them, to work with them, um, and uh, if you need any help, please don't hesitate to contact us. One of the things I am going to leave up the back of the room today, um, as I said, we're a practical organisation, are these. We work with top tips in organisations. We make sure that you've got some tips to communicate with your organisations and to give out, so please don't hesitate to, uh, to get access to it. All this research is available on our website, which we'll make available to David and Diane as well. So please, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. This episode of Show Me The Money was recorded at the Commission's Ageing Workforce Forum. Thanks for listening. Produced by the Commission for Financial Capability, helping Kiwis build wealthy lives.